Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in history again, focusing on a singular artist, that's right, the famed dystopian surrealist, Zedzala Bekczynski. If I butcher that, I apologize. To hash it out, I'm again joined by one of our top contributors, my surreal utopia, that's right, Mr. Church. Mr. Church. Thanks for having me, Noble. <laughs> always a pleasure, always a pleasure. We're, we, um, I was editing the Silent Hill episode, and I'm like, we're, we're kind of on a horror kick lately. I love it. Uh, it's one yeah, of my I favorite like things. I get so much out of my normal everyday life. I get comedy, I get a little bit of drama. You know, turn on the news, you get all the drama and just sarcastic bullshit you want. But horror? <laughs> That's not an everyday thing, and I love it. And this is one of the godfathers, Bekczynski. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Bekczynski is um, a godfather of a certain kind of horror, though. And we'll get into this in the discussion section. Bekczynski. Do it again. Zdzislaw Bekczynski. Okay, I, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut it's, that. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna use yours and do it <laughs> near the intro. It's, it's Don't tricky. I'm anybody. not gonna lie. If you, if I hadn't looked it up on a specific site where Polish people helped, like, provide the pronunciation, I would have also just been like the guy whose name is made of half Z's. Um, <laughs> it is. It's, it's complex, but it's the best I could like anglicize it was Zdzislaw Bekczynski. So I think, yeah, just going Zdzislaw by Bekczynski. Bekczynski. Yeah, I think we're for the rest of the show, we're just going to do Bekczynski, right? Or ZB. Or ZB. I, I like that. Let's do ZB. So ZB is indeed one of the godfathers of a certain kind of horror and fine art painting. And we're going to we're gonna hash it out and discuss why. Because his influence is fucking everywhere. When I, when I was doing my research for the show, I was like, oh my god. Because we, we talked about metal, like metal music in uh, Is It Art? And yeah. he has so many, like he's they metal have. As hell. Yeah, he's commissioned, or he, I guess, whoever controls his estate now, they clearly commissioned his, his paintings to be cover art for a lot of metal artists. And I thought that was very, very fitting. Uh, but, but, but of course, before we can discuss, all of you guys need a little background. ZB was born on February 24th, 1929 in Sunak, Poland. Though he is mainly famous, and our focus today will be on his painting work, he's also quite a quite renowned photographer uh, and sculptor, uh, often focusing on what he would call the Baroque or Gothic style. His work focuses on existential dread emotional distress, depression, anxiety, and, of course, disturbing imagery. Hence, Often, it just rings so true. Uh, indubitably. Often showcasing people or what I would call humanoid-looking creatures without faces, uh, desolate landscapes, even teetering on a uh, Bosch kind of hellscape, if you will. And uh, it really examines the darkest corners of our humanity in his art. His creations are usually examined through two distinct periods, friends, and that is the early period, that'll be our focus, often dubbed the fantastic period or fantastic realism period of the 60s and 70s, and, and then the later 80s and 90s as his second period. So we are going to be focusing on that first period, the fantastical period, because, oh my god, uh, boys and girls, you know what to do. Pause it, pull up the Googles, Follow oh, along man. as we talk about this. Just like there's those bands that 
you know, whether it's a band, uh, I actually, I'll just stick with music. Like there's those bands that you don't know that, you know, or you didn't realize how much you liked them until someone brings up the like, wow, they have all these hits. This is one of those painters, uh, or I guess just artists again, he he's beyond, he's more than just a painter, but he's just best known for his paintings, but he is an artist who I love that. He's one of those, you don't know that you've seen his stuff again. He, he is so I mean, like you said, basically, it's just the godfather. He, he is so in control of his niche and just powerful, powerful art that is uh, world renowned to where uh, I'd be surprised if if more people than not were like, I've never seen anything, you know, by this guy. I definitely don't expect you to be like, I know that name for you to look at his art and be like, oh, never, never in my life. I'd be like, really? Like, yeah, it is. Um, I think the I think it was called The Empty Man. There was a movie just like in the last year and it was. It oh, was man, whole, I loved that. Yeah. yeah, it was a horror movie that really flow, uh, flew under the radar. And it me did. and my wife checked it out. And the trumpet, what I what I call we'll talk. Uh, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but he didn't he never named his pieces. I love so that. we're going to kind of do our own shorthand. And there was this piece that I call The Trumpeter. And uh, it was essentially they used the model of the trumpeter for the statue of the creature and the yeah. empty man uh, in the beginning. Because that, yeah, that first act, it's almost like a prologue of the uh, of the main plot is probably the best part of the movie in a lot of ways. It's like a little mini movie. Um, so, guys, check it out. There's a little pre gem gem of the week right there. So uh, the empty yeah. man, I think you'll like it. Uh, but I uh, I'm definitely getting ahead of myself because before we can really hash it out, of course, we need a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it won't be disappointed so please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures now back to the show so i have to give a disclaimer again before we get into the discussion section and that is again guys he um one we're gonna be focusing on his paintings not his later photography or sculpt sculpting work of the fantastic period and he didn't he did not name his pieces so we're gonna do our best to describe and really get you to to feel what we're feeling when we analyze this stuff. And I think that's a, that's a perfect segue to my first my first topic on my outline and that is imagery. And I'm going to I'm going to give the floor, I'm going to shut up for a little bit, give the floor over to <laughs> Mr. Church and and start with his work was littered with the concept of hell or war is hell. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Eastern Europe has seen 
numerous conflicts even in more recent history um and so yeah being a polish artist uh the man had some things to work through and i i think one thing that is very interesting when you talk about stuff that's just you know relatively well known yet very brutalist in a way um you know you can certain that gothic types of, style again yeah right? so yes yeah, so a handful of different eastern european um sort of styles of art for a while were just so like brutal and forward and it makes a lot of sense that um even outside of of how again like war torn and conflicted um you know poland has been on and off and again the guy was born in 1929 so he's clearly lived through some shit he lived yeah like historically he has lived through he has a lot seen of some of the shit he's seen the shit of shit of modern history yeah. but um exactly. one thing i think that even just complements that so coincidentally just perfectly is how uh he actually studied architecture and worked in construction mm. at first right and he didn't like it um <laughs> he but was what born he, to be a painter yeah or a, an artist exactly me. but what the interesting thing is is that uh just like anybody who's at a job they don't like he nicked stuff from work he used construction site materials to start his yeah, art scrap and stuff to make yeah so that's the right, interesting yeah. thing is that again he he did more than just paintings he actually even did short stories which i'm sure we'll allude to but anyways just as something is talking you know talking about like metal and concrete and just rubble and things like that uh are very much imagery that goes along with uh you know war oh, well war-torn landscapes absolutely yeah. so yeah, so and yeah I mean, and and yeah let's let's so let's let's dive deeper into uh the the imagery that we're seeing on a lot of these pieces because like i said he has humanoid looking creatures i i would there because they have a you know like an actual human two arms two legs a head a torso um but they are not human you know they're no. they're often skeletal uh wire like in appearance you know when you actually examine the face like if you zoom in a lot of these pieces it's it's horrific. That's why it's he's often considered the nightmare painter, right? Or the nightmare artist. Oh, absolutely. There's a nightmare fuel for sure. And it's I, I love how much you can really emphasize and give him credit for the realism part of surrealism. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Because, again, it, it's there's nothing technically realistic about it outside of, like you've said, that there are clearly humanoid figures, but like vaguely, vaguely humanoid. And again, like outside of that, that that it pretty much ends there and it, yeah and it creates it creates you know since here's a here's horror uh imagery 101 when we take something we know but we distort it it always creates that haunting creepiness right and um this is a perfect example of um we have a humanoid looking creature but without a face so it's already creepy because Humans are, we are driven to try, that's why we're creatures of habit, right? We're always, be it consciously or subconsciously, driving to what we what we know is normal and habitual and familial. And uh, when you take those things away in horror, it, that's what creates the horror. So like, if, a, if it's a human, in this example, the humanoid creatures may not have limbs or may have more than one you know normal looking limb or multiple things he 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 likes he liked his digits like fingers right and he would add you know instead of five on each hand why add not 30 yeah, elongate or just like obfuscate again that's another interesting thing about it is that he taps into that primordial fear of the unknown so that while it's humanoid it's still that there's enough that is not human as well as left kind of vague that your imagination that it like it just leaves it open to against 
basically just fear. Like I said, it's just I I'm so glad you brought that up because in my notes I talked about I don't know uh God where the chicken and the egg is, but I there's clearly some inspiration or aspiration, however you look at it, with HP Lovecraft's cosmological, the unfathomable, you know, cosmos, the the fear of that level um scope. And it creates dread. And I feel that way in his pieces because his pieces to me really come off as clearly supernatural. And that's where the surreal part of it comes into uh, being. But also like there's spiritual like darkness there. There's divinity. And that's where that cosmological dread, I think, hits me. Yeah, when imagine, I the imagine the movie What Dreams May Come but directed by H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> that I think is like one of the things is like it's so what fantastical. Dreams, like that's uh, Robin Williams? Is that, yeah. like, that yeah. movie? Oh man. That's a Cause heart Because that, like, uh, that was like they were touching on stuff of like I want to say Paradise Lost when they're going like in different. Yeah, very much. Different a lot of afterlife, of hell, suicide type like stuff. That. Yeah, layers of hell. Again, very like calling back to Paradise Lost and um, Dante's Inferno, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean, y- y- the, these pieces, um, they are both quite fantastical and then again, eerily relatable due to just the humanoidness and, and the things that you do see and recognize. But, you know, in, in how in, in, I like that in Lovecraft's stories, um, of course, he's, you know, he's best known for like the big, horrible things that are ancient and slumbering slash ever dead. Cthulhu and, yeah, but, all that. you know, he has these uh, uh, so many other stories that involve these other fantastical places where there's like, like, oh, things made of light or like, you know, a bustling city. Like, it's not all actually quite as horrible and desolate. Again, part of what's like you said earlier, part of what is horrible is taking something familiar and twisting it. And even Lovecraft knew to do that. And knowing I almost I wonder, given that, again, he was born in 1929. I believe Lovecraft was writing around the turn of the century and wrote into the 50s. So, I mean, I would not be surprised if there was somewhere uh, that I just wasn't able to find in my research that the two, uh, or at least that, that there's uh, some cross pollination. Yeah, that Bechinsky absolutely was inspired there. by this uh, outside of it. Again, his own probably horrible, like personal experiences. Exactly. And um, I think it's littered throughout his work. In a good way, I feel like it's probably it, it elevates it, and I, I think that's probably, you know, that's our PSA. You know, that's the best thing about art is when we work together and we inspire each other to create. You know, we can be each other's muses in a way and uh, bring out the best in each other. God, it's. I think the next place I want to touch on. I think this is ha- how I'm, <laughs> for the record, how I'm breaking this up is kind of how I examined it for the first time. So the first thing that hit me is the imagery and themes, and then then when I was like really focusing on trying to analyze his work, of course the colors started to to um, come out at me in terms of like how how to really talk about this and analyze it. And he loves his earth tones, his neutrals. Um, every once in a while, he will use the hots. He'll use an accented red, but to like extreme effect where, where, especially when we get into some of our, some of the works that uh, to me were notable works that I really want to touch on. And, uh, we're seeing some very, very traditional horror tropes that you can, once you really get into this guy, you can see how many people he inspired filmmakers, traditional art, um, paintings, I mean, there's just so many things, and I again, I don't know where the chicken and the egg lie, but one of my favorite artists of all time is H.R. Geiger. 
I was I thinking like, exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where the chicken and the egg is again. But uh, but uh, going back to the color schemes, he would sometimes use colds. Um, how he wanted to use it was, I think, fascinating because it would almost always be blues. Um, and well, I was going to say blues and blacks, but when they're together, it can create kind of a relative cold color but obviously black is a neutral and he would do that usually you know create depth and darkness and he would put those in the backgrounds except for a few pieces i don't know if you noticed those philip where he would have some blues like i'm looking at one right now where it's like it, lo- it almost looks like a like a shawl like over our humanoid looking creatures is it and on the chair yes and he's like doing something you know he's like i'm not sure exactly if he's it looks like he's writing something or something like that. But then there's also just a landscape piece. Sometimes he would do, you know, these kind of hellscape things. And the blue would be, that's where it would get kind of ethereal to me. And I would see kind of the divine in it and, and this cosmological grandness in his pieces. Oh, I'm getting hippy dippy again. <laughs> <laughs> Save me, Philip. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, and another way to to try to help paint uh, a picture of this, since we're going through an audio medium about a physical art, um, is is also like again, imagine if well, Dali... check out our Instagram. We we always put pieces on Instagram. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Check out the instas. We'll we'll share those um, later on in the episode, but. Um, just just like what whatever this brings to your mind is probably relatively accurate. Imagine if H.R. Geiger and Salvador Dali signed a, like a, a partnership. They had contract. a love child. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like a match made in hell. Um, again, and, and it's interesting how, again, some things are there. You know, there are some things that are far more just anatomical and clearly based on on like really more human focus. Um, some things almost blur on the lines of like not quite. I don't want to say like cyberpunk or steampunk necessarily but there's something that's borderline mechanical or machine like to it um hence the hr geiger reference yeah he, he he made he made literal mechanical you know almost robotic yeah. like yeah. um and again guys uh if you don't know just a quick aside if you don't know who hr geiger is he is the brilliant mind behind the alien looking creature the, the long-headed alien yes the xenomorph the long-headed alien creature from, from- ridley scott's alien franchise there you go. Perfect. Uh, yep. Very much into like two, lots of tubes, uh, elongated things. Again, like semi-humanoid. And very sexual. I feel like there's so that, much. Yeah, there's a lot I of mean, sexual undertones and overtones. Like sometimes it would just be like, yeah, like yelling at you because there know, is a, there is screaming in your face yeah. with the sexuality, which there is a handful of um, in in uh, against Bekshinsky's work as well. But uh, you think I, there's I, sexuality in his work? uh occasionally but not so much sexuality as it just is that like you you can only deal with anatomy so much but i mean there's clearly like certain things with you know obvious like exposed breasts or penises or just like deformed bodies that clearly have like a vagina things like that so i wouldn't necessarily call it sexual as like it's not sexual it's anatomical yeah literally just more scientific it's a presentation of that's a perfect way to put it yeah um so again it's not that it's sexual hr geiger is a little more sexual uh definitely um but because nudes don't have to be sexual let's no let's absolutely make that a point right yeah. you know a lot of people i think if, if someone if someone's listening to this and they're just kind of getting into this stuff i think there's this this very bad rap in art where nudes have to be sexual and not at all they can be completely artistic we did a whole show on soul lighter if if this guy's work turns you on i would recommend <laughs> Maybe maybe, maybe some therapy help, a little therapy um talk to somebody <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, and even, you know, I also like that, uh, like, 
regardless of the of the um, actual content of it too, that um, there are things that are almost more like sketch like too. Again, the guy just he created, and this again, like you know, certain artists are known for like, oh, he had like a certain amount of time. This guy has, I believe, like over seven hundred paintings and art pieces of art. Yeah. I think, and I think this is a good segue to start talking about technique. So yeah, I mean, it's where the art, how broad it actually is. Again, obviously, we can say so many things in words, but to really understand just how much this guy was capable of, um, he he was just clearly never a perfectionist. Yeah, he just never yeah. stopped making art, and I, uh, I I love that he didn't name. Yeah, and again, I just like that he never tried. There is something to naming things as an as an artist as well. Uh, there's something to naming uh, your your pieces that almost colors it. And I think that because of what he's presenting to you, I actually really appreciate the fact um, that, that he, he made them nameless. Yeah, he just didn't name them because it just it is what it is. There isn't a name for some of these things. It probably creates a lot more interpretation fitting. for us, for the audience. Yeah, and, and that's like exactly what it's about. That's one thing that I loved. Uh, another thing about his actual personality is that um, he wasn't about explanations. He wasn't one of those people who like, oh, figure oh, yeah, me out. Exactly. You know, some people are all about like, oh, he he, I'm being coy, like I'm teasing these things. You know, uh, the, he he literally hated actually explanations. It was just like, no, I painted this because I felt like it. This is what I thought right. in my brain, you, and you I find it. meaning in it. And you, you, and you do the work. Yeah, right. Kind of and thing. I mean, you know, he he wasn't even a guy who cared for other visual mediums himself. He was he was a literature guy. He liked classical music and he liked some literature, but was mostly just constantly working on his art and his art is so yeah let's let's dive a little deeper into the technique so his attention to detail is uncanny it's um and the realism I, in surrealism exactly it's very I, there as horrible as these things can look it's always there i urge people to zoom in zoom in and really fall into the world immerse yourself those high-res images <laughs> and um because there's so much scale versus detail versus the medium he used often oils and then yeah that use of color and how he wanted to push things into the background versus um because he liked he liked his subjects he clearly i if i had to guess you know there's no way we can really know but if i was a fly on his wall i bet he started with whatever the main subject is and then he would fill in around it right and um this is probably a good segue to a theory of mine um artists as much as he didn't want to name his pieces or uh try to explain his pieces i think artists often put themselves in their own work and i think i see him in these pieces specifically with um i think some other institution gave this a naming device it's a as an apple e as an earth 73 and that is the one where it's a it's like a it's a humanoid figure, but it's on all fours, kind of like a, a rodent, you know, this like animal, this animalistic id kind of creature. And it has this like red piece, rectangular piece right in front where a face would be. And uh, almost kind of like how a black widow as a red. It looked like a head covered in gauze where the face is. Exactly. And I've seen I've seen this figure in his other pieces. And I think that is him. That is my theory. That's my point. I think yeah. that's him and his pieces. I mean, I, I, I mean, just maybe a little TMI in a way, but I mean, I, I legitimately don't always relate to my like physical form in a way. It's interesting that sometimes hmm. I look in a mirror, I'm just like, oh, that's right, I look a certain way. And uh, I, I think <laughs> that's for, I fascinating. Think, right? I feel like I'd want to explore that. That's a fascinating. I, you know, maybe maybe point. next maybe next time. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, there's there's this. Yeah, like you said, I mean, this thing is it has clearly arms and hands and feet. But, you know, the digits are elongated. The things are very thin. Um, it has bandages over its face. So it's like, is there really a face under there? Like, what's the blood coming from? The body is is like nebulous, amorphous. It's literally just round and black. Um, and it literally looks like it's scampering. And and that's just that's just the focal point of the piece. I mean, there's a hellscape in the background. There, it looks like there's like a burning crib. It looks like there's a burning baby crib. Just uh, you know, we like to we like to close circles uh, on our show here. Um, this is uh, war again to me. Yeah. This is this is. It looks like burning. It's literally burning buildings in the background. And he is he's there. I, to me, it's like they've reduced themselves to animals. The war has reduced themselves to subhuman. Absolutely, and now they have to scurry away and get away from the war. Um, havoc if if you will and um well we'll probably dive a little deeper into that a little later but um when when going back to the technique because if i don't if i don't do a, a novo pullback on my goddamn self we're gonna go off the deep end uh so let's pull it back and um in a world <laughs> uh but yeah not his, this his... World, no. god not that one please in a different the world than the one world. from this painting in the other world um it's yeah, it's gosh. Um, his technique is it's kind of like since we did a show on Bosch together. I mean, he's he's detailed. He, he has extreme detail in his pieces, but um, it's definitely more than what you would normally see with the painter. Because I yeah, like I said, you know, I urge people to zoom in because when you zoom in, I think you're gonna see like every little wrinkle, every like he he really went out of his way to do those focal points since. Like I said, he likes his subjects. You know, he's going to put his subjects right in the middle where I, I probably every art teacher you've ever had, you've ever had said not to do that. But but fuck them. Do whatever you want. I don't care. And um, and it's it it just creates this whole it, it creates an intimacy too. Um, we should probably just go ahead and start talking about the notable works. Uh, so the uh, the very first one is soldier. What I call soldier with the helmet. And this one is exactly that it's and this is where he's using his blues he's actually using a little bit of his cold color yeah, incredibly earth tone tony here and, and not just like dirt but like yeah i mean very uh a little more like legitimate like blue and green like earth from space kind of like earth tones yeah where yeah where the greens have almost a it's it's a little yellowy and things like that but it's but again the subject is just this close-up of what is clearly a soldier and uh, but again that it's is humanoid. a soldier's helmet absolutely and it's but it's again it's this wire-like appearance it's, it's not even bone structure you can't call it like a bone structure per se and i don't know if there's if it's it was supposed to be a deliberate two over his lips or it's or it's that it's just sealed like it's sewn shut um i don't know because we're starting yeah, to that, see more of the wire work into his out. Neck. it really is is something about that specifically um I think also just because it has some of like the the few almost the bits of like borderline white, it's one of the brighter parts. But despite it being kind of small, but uh, it's quite present in the front. And I don't know. I mean, maybe in Polish, the two or whatever letter that is like means or stands for something else. That might... That's a good point. Ooh, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, it could be it could be cultural, like something we probably wouldn't understand unless we were Polish. But uh, again, I guess my point is 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 starting to uh, focus on these pieces is that intimacy it is it is up close and personal it's not it's not far away 
there's such a, I, another really notable, I, I think, like trait of this specific piece, too, is just the contrast between like the helmet. It looks so smooth and perfect and soft um, compared to the intense detail. Uh, again, just the the jagged, like otherworldly textures to the what again, what you would basically have to call a face, but it's obviously not a human face. It, again, it just it draws all the attention to what like could be a human yet. Again, there's no other way to really describe it. Uh, even the background almost looks noxious, noxious. It looks like like gaseous in a way. Yeah, uh, it literally again, it just like it could be it could be a snapshot out of out of war. Uh, were it not for the fact that this, again, is just clearly not your average human soldier. But again, like the helmet, the the sort of blurred background full of whether it's like a morning fog or the freaking smoke of napalm or like mustard gas. I don't know. But just all that imagery is literally evoked. But again, just specifically like the way he's, he uses the dark from underneath the helmet. Again, the helmet looks almost like if you were to focus on the helmet, it looks so pleasant. Um, and then there's just like what's under the helmet is literally it's like, is that meant to be like the darkness of the mind of man, like the war machine um, that lurks in the dark or something of that matter? You know, again, there's so much left up to interpretation. Uh, and again, especially without a title. Uh, again, it's just the, the it's such a phenomenal example of pictures worth a thousand words, only far more than a thousand. I, I think that was so eloquently put because, and this is, I think, the beauty of our show and why we love doing this is because we learn a lot. You know, we're students as well, uh, as as much as you guys are. And uh, God, it really does, now that you put it that way, um, God, it really creates a balance in the piece. The soft helmet versus the hard skeletal figure. I mean, it really creates this contrast that is, that, uh, for lack of a better word, is perfect for what I think he was trying to capture in the balance of the piece. Um, let's move on to the second one, the what I called the trumpeteer, because it literally looks like a humanoid creature playing a a trumpet, but with uh, not with five digits on each hand, um, like a million. Um, and this is where again the <laughs> horror one one guys is uh, create. Uh, Take something that's normal and either add way too much or subtract a lot, and you'll create horror easily. And this one is um, kind of the same. I feel like you you put it very well, Philip. That this is, um, you know, is is it napalm in the background, or are we, you know, because it, we forget that. Um, and this is maybe I probably is maybe stretching a little bit. We forget that there is a lot of music and war. And, um, you know, think of like old, you know, snare players, they would send the band out first, right, to create uh, dread in their opponent, and their enemy. And that's, uh, I'm but not I also at doubt night, it's that but interestingly, you know, you've got the opposite end too, where at night you would play people would probably be playing their instruments for comfort, play the songs sure. of their home country, depending on if they were whether they were fighting at home. Um, but just just to do something to take your mind off of the fact that you saw somebody's jaw get blown off or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You've got another like fogscape, if you will. Fogscape. Yes. Uh, and again, <laughs> like the face is yet again, the face is very obscured. Like, yes, it's clearly humanoid. You can make out a, like the top of a skull and ears and, and ears like, sort of yeah. eyes. Uh, but it's interesting that the like, could you I don't I don't know that I would call that really a mouth. Um, and again, like even the, the shoulders, the chest, like all these other things. Um, are again just so warped 
Uh, and again, the that's why I always use skeletal. Yeah, me, I mean, like yeah. I have a strong anatomical background. Like I've taken a lot of courses in this for for my day job, and it's so yeah, it's so skeletal. And there's there's this emphasis on raw tissue, right? If you were to cut away the flesh, you know, if you if you've actually taken an anatomy course and seen those artist renditions of of what it would look like if you could look through someone, this is the horror side to that, where they're you know, things are decaying and rotting. And I think he does it in a way, ZB does it in a way that it's still alive, I think. And that's what's scary to me, that this creature is still alive and thinking and breathing. And um, this is the one, um, mind you, this is the this is the Empty Man one again, where yeah. they clearly took that imagery, they took out the trumpet, and they uh, it's a statue in the movie, essentially. And the statue, I, I want to say, puts a curse on them. Is that what pretty, happened? Pretty much. From my understanding, the, yeah, it, it's it's the source of whatever like otherworldly entity type thing that that needs some sort of host or whatever. Um, That's a good like way that. to put it. Yeah. Um, a again, very, very interesting movie. Again, like it, it's actually is pretty cool. And it yeah, it was clearly. Uh, I, I do remember also coming across that image and being like, oh, yeah, shit, I just watched that movie not too long ago. Thanks, pandemic. I'm, I'm watching so many movies. <laughs> Where? We're caught up. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, this thing has right, at least 20-something fingers that even still, like, some of them, it's like, are these all coming from just, like, an arm? Like, is it playing it from its chest? And, like, almost... Because it does kind of look like it's coming out of the chest. Yeah, the, the whole... It's almost like it's literally just... Am, it's am, Again, it's amorphous. Um Though while there appear to be somewhat of arms, it's like not all the fingers line up um, of all 23 to 25 or whatever of these fingers do not track. It doesn't track. Um, and in a way, too, it almost reminds me of like, what, what, what would they be called? But anyways, the the, the like remains basically found from the like things like the eruption of Vesuvius, uh, how people were like doing normal things to an extent, how some people were like clearly like caught, you know, doing this, that and the other. There's something like that too. It's almost we're just like this. It's almost like this thing is stuck doing this like trumpet playing or whatever you would call it. A limbo, if you will. Yeah, uh, if you will. As if like it, it's forced to do this. Like again, there's no joy. You know, music is often associated with joy that you do music out of pleasure or just something to an extent. But I mean, there's nothing joyous or pleasant about this. We will we will get to a little bit of <laughs> guys, don't worry. We're gonna get to a little bit of a hopeful piece in what I call the embrace. But before we get there, let's go back to AE. A is an apple, E is an Earth 73, and that is the we already I think did a pretty good job of detailing kind of how at least I felt. Yeah. Feel free to chime in. Just yeah, um, clearly a city again, the, like you said, this is a, a high use of red. Not only the bright red on the face that is obviously meant to invoke blood, but just the background of, of just a city ablaze, um, just a, uh, and to put contrast on things again, what like it literally looks like a burning crib. Uh, there's a sign barely hanging onto a building, and there's just rubble all over the floor, uh, or the ground, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is another one in which. How does it make you feel? I feel like this one is powerful uh, because I think I think the other ones don't. I mean, I think everything he does definitely will make you feel a certain way emotion emo an emotional response but i feel like this one is very astute i mean it makes me feel desperate whether this thing is scavenging in this hellscape or trying to literally escape or something but i mean it's moving 
at least away from what we can see. And there's nothing else to, there's nothing else in front of it or nearby. It, it is the thing. You know, like, again, there's only some city in the background. There's nothing else that looks like anything alive. A city on fire, like. mind you. <laughs> yeah, there's no other, like, sentience or beings. And so because of the the way he was able to capture uh, what is a scamper or, like, some kind of movement uh, of this humanoid creature. Oh, huge movement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, again, is it escaping? Is it scavenging? Is it hunting? Uh, it, it is, is, again, outside of just the typical fear and terror that goes with it, uh, it, something feels very, again, like just desperate. I mean, again, the city's clearly up in flames. Um, this thing is potentially injured. I don't know many things that bleed from their face normally. So, um, you know, it's like, is it seeking food? To me, it's still a scamper. It's like trying to run away, trying to get away. Right. They, it's safest to say that it's probably trying to escape the burning city. Um, but again, like, who, who knows? Like, luckily, it's all up for interpretation. It's just again, the, one of the best things about art. And so to me, it's like, this thing could very well be some kind of creepy little predator, like a, like the a weird <laughs> kind of like human rat that is taking advantage of all the dead shit in the city and is going to oh, man. find the carry on rat hybrids. <laughs> but that uh, I feel like um, a little bit of joy comes from our next notable piece. And that is what I call the embrace. And that's exactly what you'll see when you see the piece. It's two people in an embrace. But um, so there's there is. To me, when I look at this piece, there is still love. There's humanity. This is the one of the few that is borderline sexual. But again, it's not it, only if you yourself believe it to be sexual. But just the fact that it's like it could practically be like a Kama Sutra pose. But it, the fact that like the different body shapes, like it almost looks like a man and a woman in the type of like their legs are entwined. Uh, technically, they could be nude, given that he is very, again, like raw, um, like you were saying earlier, like it's almost anatomical. But yeah, again, it's almost more of an embrace, almost to go back to what I was just saying, too, about like the Vesuvian, like, the you know, you find graves of people clutching each other in their last moments. And this very much evokes that it's love. I don't think there's sex to it necessarily outside of there being potential different genders because they're literally like slightly different sizes and their heads are different colors. I don't know. Well, um, what I mean by that is, you know, if you could, you know, we see this imagery often in movies. So that's that's the first thing that pops in my head is where people can actually see the the rocket in space hurtling down towards their city. And what what would be your first instinct is you would you would embrace you would clutch your loved one and i feel like that's what we're seeing we're seeing the aftermath of this terrible explosion that uh, left them though still intertwined uh just charred fried and 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 true and they perished yeah I, look, they, I mean there's nothing to indicate that they are alive and or moving and and uh, you know to as i described a different one too again it's just another fogscape uh, there's no there's nothing else to indicate uh a hint of life to this uh very much could be that um this was and is their final moment or is the aftermath of something horrible because again they look so like you i mean again like you've said skeletal uh, or almost burned um something i mean like the spine looks exposed uh on on the one whose back is facing uh the viewer uh it literally looks like flesh was stripped away or something yeah and um as much as um the last one on our list, what I call the bleeding eyes, is the most, to me, this is the most vivid of, of our selections. And this is where I kind of wish he would name his pieces because, or at least maybe, you know, if it's in a museum, you know, there's always that little block next to the 
next to the piece where it gives a little blurb about it, gives the title, the date, a little blurb, and, and obviously the medium. I feel like I need more because, Philip, I'll give you the floor. You've been really, really, really good at describing these pieces. I really feel like you're painting a very good picture. Uh, tell me what you see in this one. Well, I, I, I think for listeners, uh, and I'm going to assume a certain level of a nerdiness, but it's it's literally as if like Dr. Manhattan were to have human guts <laughs> spill out of his face because maybe brain like matter. That's kind of how right, I see yeah, it. Yeah, just something. It's literally as if just like the overflow uh, of war and violence of just where else would it go? Um, and, and there's also just something very uh, off putting about the slight. I mean, I feel I see a smirk. And the reason I say Dr. Manhattan is because, again, he's he's used actually more blues uh, yeah. in this, which really contrasts with the reds. Again, why I kind of called it guts, but honestly, it could be brains either way. Um, and there's in another Dr. Manhattan-esque thing about it outside of it being blue is that it's technically it's a full smaller face on the larger head that has the eyes coming out of it. But just the, the thing, something in the middle of its forehead on a blue head um, is just why I feel like, again, it's like Dr. Manhattan um, on a bad acid trip or something. Now, did he do this to himself? There's a part of me that feels like he gouged his own eyes out. And there's a part of me that some that feels like something erupted from inside out. Well, I mean, given that there's another head in the head and there's even a head in that head. And that, again, there's the slight... <laughs> well, it's like a cartoon skull inside. This, yeah, that's true. Head. The smallest one is borderline cartoonish. And the second one is is almost like almost alien in a way. But so I think yeah, this is him for the record. I think this is another self-portrait. This could very much be another self-portrait of, again, how just like the horrors of war, like you can't unsee these things. And this is literally the things that your eyes have taken in and they're not going anywhere, but like you can't put them back out. But if they were to come out, this is what it would look like. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if anything, it could be that this thing did it intentionally because again, there's a slight, it looks like a smirk. The mouth is slightly upturned. It's not just a neutral. It's not screaming. Um, the lips are closed, um, but they go up ish just a little, little bit. Fascinating take. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's tie all these pieces together and talk about themes. So to me, I, uh, will say this very simply and bluntly, uh, all of his pieces to me, uh, focus on pain, agony, torture, and the concept of the tortured soul. And of course, death. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if again, very, very painful imagery uh again the things that evoke the blood things that evoke like too many too many limbs that like that seems unnatural things that evoke burned or stripped flesh or just like an actual uh viscera things of that nature again like violence but not overt violence again it's not it's not an action it's never an action scene there's not any active fighting it's almost more like the aftermath it's very consequential uh um, yes it's um it's what it's remains aftermath. Yeah. And like literally like almost pun intended, like it's it's the remains. It's literally like often looks like human remains. And 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 interestingly, too, that given a great he's just Polish, but still he would have, um, you know, lived through sort of like the the rise of uh, like the certain like nuclear age and like the certain bomb testing and stuff. Um, and certain things almost like come come from like the horror that could be like, again, like fused beings. You know, I mean, again, there's just um anatomical again like just pain and anatomy just just raw post-violence again like not active violence um because again nothing is ever so real to say like that's a man with a gun shooting another man like sure. that's what you think of when you say war is you would think about guns and bullets and possible stabbings 
Um, and violence. Yeah. yeah, but this is this is the thing that you were forced to see if you were a, surrounded by war. Not so much the act of fighting, but just that, you know, even on, you know, just god awful like just the tragic you know like for instance like children like the 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 bystanders the things that they just had no choice but to experience yeah and i think this is a good one to end on just because um again guys if you haven't heard of his name i guarantee you know his work because he has influenced decades upon decades of other artists and so i think it's uh best before we get into the conclusion is just kind of talk about that legacy and influence and we already talked about a few um cross pollination uh with hr geiger but like more more contemporary uh things that i see in the last 20 years uh as uh, that's akin like a kindred spirit to this work is often with adam jones's work with tool and um, we already talked about, yeah, we already talked about some of, usually there's hints of it in film, kind of like the creature in the empty man. Um, and then, yeah, when it's actually artists, you know, recreating their, uh, you know, their vision for whatever they want to make that is akin to this, you know, uh, and maybe inspired by it. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of, yeah, a lot of contemporary surrealist artists probably uh, diving into these things and that's uh, i do have a gym of the week that's a that's more of a fun gym of the week this this episode has been a little serious but uh well and i uh, yeah and and for good for obvious reasons yeah yeah. and actually to to add some levity to the situation one thing that you would think looking at somebody who made over 700 works that are again quite uh to to boil it down to any just one word but like relatively disturbing he was actually supposedly quite a pleasant person he really wasn't yeah, he like famously he, was like a nice guy yeah, yeah. like that you would that, never think that these demons were inside that it's as if this was his therapy or you know how like oh, they, they often tell oh, people man. like you should paint you should express yourself and the man clearly expressed himself this is yeah I, I really think he was working through some things that he must have experienced and um it's uh, it's actually also quite tragic uh yet sadly uh but i have to be honest it's fitting and that um he was murdered he was murdered i didn't know if we were going to talk about that during uh this episode but he did have an untimely demise yeah by, i believe it was a teen, teen friend of his like like was trying to get yeah, yeah say, was asking for money his or something son's like that. friend well yeah something like i don't remember exactly the details but i just thought that was so interesting that you find out that like you know, not only was he a prolific artist um, who was quite respected, but supposedly a very nice guy. Um, and again, it's just it's just quite tragic. And it was fitting. a stabbing to death, yeah. too, right? Like yeah. a very horrific way to. Yeah, to not not pass. good. Um, so it's unfortunate. And then uh, just one last thing, too, though, that that I do find uh, also interesting. Like we mentioned, we focus on his paintings. Um, he did sculptures, as you said, Um but I like I like to know that he actually uh, even before his paintings and and more physical art took off, he tried his hand at, at writing. He wrote some right. short stories uh, back in the early 60s. And um, it's so it's so interesting that I guess it makes sense, though, that the same guy who didn't title a single one of his paintings, he just didn't like it. He didn't destroy <laughs> it. So he literally just like sealed them away. And it wasn't yeah, until didn't... 10 years after his death that the works were actually finally like published. So it's not even just his paintings that you can experience. You can get a glimpse of what he was maybe like. Oh yeah. He was he a true more blue, in his youth. He was a true blue artist. Well, I you shouldn't know, say he didn't have just one medium. Yeah. That's by, why by that's 60s, like, he was in his thirties, but still like when he was younger. 
Right. Um, it, yeah, relatively young. Writing. So I just also found that very interesting that um, he he did so many types of art. Uh, he and did that, a lot of different things. Yeah, absolutely. and that he he respected his own art enough to not necessarily destroy it, just to get in, just to keep it sealed away. And that uh, I, I like that it saw the light of day. And again, I didn't know that. It was only researching for this uh, for this episode. And uh, I, I'm tempted to go, uh, you know, look some of it up and see what so it was read like. It? Yeah, just because mm, yeah. again, like his work doesn't have any words and there's literally no titles. So to actually have words that came from the man's brain, um, I, I think would all, in a way help color maybe who he is and, and perhaps add some context to the myriad, uh, just vast body of work that he wound up producing across his life. Absolutely. And uh, I think that's... Uh... That's uh, that's we're we're dipping our toes into the conclusion. Before I before we do that, I do want to talk about some other uh, legacy items. We already talked about music, uh, metal music to be exact, and a game that's been on my radar for fucking ever. And that game is Scorn. Are you familiar with? I am with this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I found I think it, it leans a little more on the HR Geiger side of um of of that of this kind of style of surrealism. But there's definitely a lot of uh, ZB now that I've actually gotten more into researching this episode and things like that. I see a lot of that, a lot of or a lot of this kind of art in the game uh, Scorn. So, um, but uh, Philip, bring us home. Why do the good people need to experience the work that is ZB? Bekshinsky's work again. It, it, there's there's no active action scenes really. Um, the humanoid things make it relatable enough, and yet nothing is human enough to where you feel comfortable with it. And his ability to use depth and relatable actual anatomical figures um, makes the work so connectable to where, again, across his massive body of work, um, I truly feel like to, to a certain extent there there's there's something for everybody um, there. There, you know, even outside of the few that we've talked about that are more horrible. Uh, there are some that are almost more just like tribal that he does have simpler works where it just literally looks more like um, some kind of just, you know, just like a head, just like a small head. Um, the, so it's just we just got a head. <laughs> yeah, it literally just looks like it's again. And once again, it's not human. But um, and I think that just kind of speaks again to how. Um, while we're we are human, um, our own dark depths cannot truly be defined or full or, or probably will never be fully explored. And so by using such vagary and depth and and just again the way he was able to manipulate his actual medium of of again, like what was it, oils, um, that it all just it feels it feels tangible and it looks semi-relatable. I, I, I literally think that because it has become so prevalent across other things that I think there's just, I think he's one of those something for everyone kind of people that everybody should at least uh, experience it. And you'll, you'll be reminded of something else. It'll, it'll show you that like, this looks just like this other thing that I like, or that I saw. This reminds me of that movie, this album cover of how the man was, while the art isn't human, uh, it is still actually incredibly human. And indubitably. And there you have it, guys, from top to bottom. The life, the art, the career that is Mr. Pekczynski. And I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank my guest, Mr. Philip, uh, Mr. Church. But before we go, <laughs> before we go, uh, you know we got a little more for you. A little, a little icing on that cake, a little cherry on top. 
for that Sunday. It was what we call the Gym of the Week. If you don't know what the Gym of the Week is, it's essentially something we like to talk about here at the end of our shows, but it doesn't always fit perfectly into the scheme of the episode. It It's probably something that we've been into in the last day or so, maybe week, maybe month, but we got to give it to you guys so you guys can dig deeper. Mine is... Um, <laughs> um, a little silly, a little fun. It it definitely hinges on the world of horror. And there is a contemporary horror artist that I've been getting into lately, and his name is Jordan Persegati, P-E-R-S-E-G-A-T-I. I'm not sure if I have to put that, you know, flair on it, but I just wanted to give it a little, a little bit of <laughs> extra uh, heightened pronunciation. So Jordan Persegati, he has a YouTube show. He has a um, Instagram, and what he likes to do is he takes uh, children's like coloring books, like Disney Disney ones to be exact, and he will um, do uh, an art piece on top of that and turn it into a horrific horror scene or character. Oh. And he does an amazing, amazing. It's really fun to watch him work and uh, check out his work. Um, if you have a minute and I guarantee you'll go down what, what I call the YouTube rabbit hole, which is where like, you know, you get to the end of the video and it gives you some other recommendation. And before you know it, like hours have gone by somehow, uh, you will go down the, uh, the YouTube rabbit hole with Mr. Persigati. I'm actually also going to go with something, uh, even more lighthearted, uh, and, and borderline silly and yet still, uh, just a phenomenal work of art. Uh, and that is the album called Ziltoid the Omniscient by Devin Townsend. Uh, Devin was uh, in an, uh, a pretty pretty hard metal band called Strapping Young Lad back in the day, but he spun off into his own solo career. The man is a virtuoso. He can play a guitar like you wouldn't believe. And um, this album is also, it's a concept album that is yeah. very much a, it's a ridiculous space opera. And Ziltoid is literally... He's a fourth dimensional being who has come to Earth for their finest cup of coffee. Uh, and then it's just in this weird, like ensuing um, fourth dimensional music battle. Um, he, he goes off on this weird journey of discovery. So there are absolutely silly parts to it. But the but that's just some of the dialogue of, of the actual concept bit. The music is fantastic. And it's not like and like he doesn't typically write concept albums. A lot of his other things are more just like your typical, um, almost said analogy. That's not the right word. Um, but you know, just a, a collection of things like relative anthology, you know, like most albums feel uh, more like an yeah. anthology, like a collection of unrelated topics typically, um, sure. or sometimes loosely, but this is literally like, there's an actual story from start to finish, like concept album. Yeah. Again, like I love that it's a concept album. I, I a good concept album typically winds up, really catching my uh cap just captivating me um mm. and this one just again like the sheer silliness of, of the concept bits compared with how amazing the music is yes it gets heavy but it's it's not it's i don't believe it to be overly heavy so if you do like a good rock or anything with just some 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 really awesome like heavy drum blasts here and there um some wicked guitar heavy distortion that is present but I like that it, it helps display that um, while in his youth, again, like his his metal band was like relatively hardcore, that he has just embraced the weirdness and is just an aging hippie. 
uh, metalhead. Um, and it is just, it's just a fun listen. All the things. I, I have been, I've had it on loop. I forgot how great it was. I listened to it years ago when it came we out. You should do a quick cut episode on it. Just, I'm, uh, I would love to, album. again, I would love to, we, you know, to do that. Um, yeah, I would strongly no, urge it would, it would just be, it may, it would just be you on, I, yeah. uh, if it's a quick cut, it, it would just be a solo yeah, hell yeah. piece. Let's, let's, uh, uh, we'll talk, we'll talk after the show. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's again, that's it. It's, it's definitely on your Spotify's and, and your whatever's. It's very easily streamable. Uh, if you find what looks like some kind of uh puppet, like a sock puppet figure, uh, with a cape on the cover, you're in the right place. <laughs> well, there you have it, guys. Uh, and if you like that, of course, you can follow us at underscore Novo underscore Day and Day is D E and at Novo Day Media. You can, of course, check out our website, novodayproductions.com. There you'll find things like the Entropy Sessions, Post Meridium, Adulteration, Cancel Cultural Auto, and a lot more to come. If you want to seek out Mr. Philip Church for his services, you can do so at philipchurch.tech. And, Philip, give him the lowdown anywhere else, buddy. I, of course, have my Facebook page. Um, I still have my ailing Instagram, and I still <laughs> don't have a Twitter. Uh, again, I just uh, I just know we're getting around to it. So We won't count you the off. Web, the website's the best place to go. We're going to have go. a little ticker every time um, we talk about that on our show. <laughs> website is the best place to go, uh, especially just uh, in my blog. I like to, you know, like especially here, you know, I like to shout out uh, this podcast, um, but just, you know, anything that I've been working on or just like really cool recommendations. Um, it's more than just booking me. Uh, but, you know, if you do like what you hear, yeah, um, interact, feel right? free to, you know, I, I'm going to be putting a new demo up there soon, too. So that's how you can get a hold of me and get an, a further idea of just who I am and, and what I do behind the microphone. A- a- amen so uh don't forget to like and subscribe follow and hit that notification bell if you're watching this on youtube we always appreciate a comment you can always rate and review as well and if you'd like to sponsor our little love child here you can reach out to us at novodaymedia at gmail.com so until next time guys be good to each other and as always good luck and godspeed we love you art of the beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media, at Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com slash Aco Music 123, Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J E S T U S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.